to share a message with you entitled Experiencing Fresh Gifts and Graces. Second message in a series. The series is entitled Behold, I Do a New Thing. Would you say that with me? Behold, I Do a New Thing. Let's say it all out loud. Behold, I Do a New Thing. God is doing some new things in your life. New seasons, transitions, opportunities. He's closing some doors. He's opening new doors. There's some new relationships, some new ministries, some new anointings, some new giftings. And you never age out. Say amen to that. He has something new. He says, your old men shall dream dreams. That's something new. Doesn't say your old men will get stuck in nostalgia. It says, no, your old men are going to dream of something new all the way to heaven. Isaiah 43 and 19 says, behold, I will do a new thing. The word new is the word kainos in Greek. When the Hebrew is translated to Greek, they use the word kainos here. And it means fresh, new in nature, something different than before. I am doing something fresh. That's what I mentioned last week. The difference between an old person and a young person isn't the chronological age, it's the age of their heart. If you're young at heart, you're always open and desiring and moving into the new things of God. It could be from revelation in the scripture to maybe new things in prayer to doing new service for God. It says, behold, I will do, not I might do. It says, I will do a new thing. Life without new things quickly becomes routine, which quickly becomes a rut. You might say, Dan, you mean I need to change a job every year? You know that's not what I'm talking about. But I'm talking about within the rhythm of a normal, ordinary life, God can intervene with some new things, new spiritual things. Shall ye not know it? Will ye not be aware of it? As if to say, God could be wanting to do new things in your life, but if you're bitter, stubborn, or passive, you can miss the new thing. I know I've missed opportunities. Now, now I'm not, I don't know per se what they are, but I know I've missed opportunities when I have not been aware of God doing something new. Does anybody agree with that? Do you think there's ever been any woman in a grocery store that's weeping quietly and silently as she's shopping because something terrible has happened in her life and you're the spirit-filled Holy Ghost person shopping and you whiz right on by her on the way to the soup section? You didn't have your radar up like, is this the, the one time that I'm supposed to stop and ask her? Can I pray with you? There's a new thing right there. Is there a new thing in ministry? There's a new thing we heard just today. It's such a beautiful uh, rehearsal of what God's doing in the youth ministry here at Deep Creek. Could God be saying, you've never worked with teenagers your whole life. That's why you're sane. It's a time to go crazy. 
Yeah, hey, I, I was a middle school teacher. <laughs> it's wild, man. But here's the thing about middle schoolers. When middle schoolers get on fire for God, they are fearless. A 13-year-old is on fire for God. They're not old enough yet to feel shame. They're fearless for God. You take 13 and 14-year-olds to a city and say, we're going to evangelize everybody. They are just crazy enough to do it. Who wouldn't want to work with them? If you want to work with our teenagers, remain seated with hands down. (laughs) We got a big group here. God always wants to do something new. Churches need new things. New seasons. New words for the year. Some time ago, I visited a friend of mine who pastors in a Pentecostal church in a Midwestern town of about mm, 20,000. And I stopped by his church. Now, this has been a few years. I stopped by the church. We had a good time. And I said, what's God doing here? Or something to that effect. What's God doing? He says, let me show you. He took me to the youth room and they had just bought two big gaming consoles. And it affixed them to the walls and then they had the gamers. They were, they were game. This is back when that was big. And I'm going, really dude? This is what God's doing? You're upgrading your games? Now, if he had framed it in the context of reaching pre-Christian kids and it was wrapped in a bigger vision, all right, you're trying to stay current. But he was just tickled pink the deal they got on these two big flat screens. And, I'm, you know, and I just left and go, what is, what's happened to you, man? That's the cutting edge thing for your church is a flat edge screen? What about the nations of the world? What's, what about what's happening in our communities? What about what God's doing among the poor? What's what God's doing among the leaders of the church? What, God's, what, what about all that? We're talking gaming stations? I'm not against gaming stations. I am against video games if you're not married. Guys, if you're not married, get off the game. Find a girl. Get married. And then go back. Go back to the game after that. And then set up your marriage counseling right then. (laughs) See, each of us, our churches and our families and us individually, we need a fresh infusion of the supernatural activity of God. Our taste buds need to be tuned to the supernatural. If we don't taste it from time to time, we go, this is pretty boring We eat straw day after day, you think it's hay. Would you agree with me that the church is woefully short? I'm talking about the church in general, not new life in particular, of life-changing, God-honoring, supernatural power of the Holy Spirit. I think so. We need something new rooted in the old. The gospel does not change. The word of God does not change. The character of God does not change. Yes and amen to that. The core doctrines of our faith do not change. Our God is immutable. However, how that is contextualized, how that is lived out, does change. And the gifts of the Spirit are always 
freshening the move of God. There should be in every church and every family the present thing God is doing. The present thing. What's the emphasis that the Holy Spirit has in this season? Is it patience? Is it vision? Is it faith? Is it prayer? What's the new thing God is doing? Today's message, which is entitled Experiencing Fresh Gifts, experiencing, let's just don't talk about them. Let's step into experiencing new gifts, new graces, new ministries, and new anointings. If you're with me on this journey, would you say amen? amen. We're going to look at four scriptures with four points, and that's today's content. Number one, for us to experience fresh gifts, number one, we must understand spiritual realities. What I mean by that is there is a natural realm that is superseded and superintended by a spiritual realm. There are natural gifts, natural talents. A natural talent would be how, how you, your athletic ability, your, your, your IQ, your personality. Those are genetic. Those are gifts from God. Thank you, Lord. They're common graces. But they're not what we're talking about here. I'm not talking about, hey, if God gave you the ability to play the violin or God gave you the ability to run the mile or if God gave you the ability, uh, you know, some natural ability, go for your natural ability. Now, that's not bad, but that's, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about there's another realm where there are spiritual things, anointings, ministries, things that transcend. They're not irrational, they're transrational. To go above the natural order of things. It's the supernatural activity of the Holy Spirit through a human vessel. It's God at work. The sovereign, mighty, limitless, creative, powerful God at work through you and me. I'm talking about that. I want new things in that category, not that other category. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1. Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. Pause there. The word gifts of the Spirit, that whole phrase is translating one word, pneumaticus. And pneumaticus <clears throat> probably is best translated spiritual things. Because spiritual gifts is during the word charismata. This isn't charismata, this is, this is, this is pneumatica. This is a whole different word. Spiritual things. So he's saying, brothers and sisters, I don't want you to be ignorant about spiritual things. I, gotta, I want you to understand the reality of this other realm, the realm of the kingdom. I want you to understand that. And I don't want you to be ignorant of it, uninformed, naive, as if to say we can go through our life as Christians completely oblivious to what God wants to do over here in the supernatural realm in our life. We could go through our whole life and never once recognize the voice of God. And yet God has probably spoken thousands of times in little ways and we blew right by it because either we were suspicious of subjective voices or we were too busy to listen. So we get to the end of our life and say, well, I never hear God. Well, back up. I think, <laughs> I don't think you put that on God. You're ignorant. That's a, that's a terrible word, ignorant. However, the Bible says we perish for lack of knowledge. That's why 1 Corinthians 12, 13, 14 are in the Bible to teach us about spiritual things. Y'all with me on that? 
Okay. Verse two. You know that when you were pagans, you know, we don't call non-Christians pagans very much anymore, do we? We like to soften it. Deists, agnostics, liberals. You know, we have all these names. Hey, I just, I just did that for a joke. I'm, I haven't preached all summer, so buckle up. Uh, there's a good old biblical word, Joel, pagan. The Bible's got two groups of people. Sheeps and goats, Christians and pagans. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other you were influenced and you were led astray to mute idols. Here's the, 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 the number one biblical distinction between idols and, and Yahweh is that Yahweh talks and idols don't. And again and again and again, the prophet said, your idols don't talk, our God talks. Let me ask you a question, is your God talking? Is he talking? That is the distinction between being a Christian and a non-Christian. Christians are hearing a voice from heaven. Nobody else does. They might be hearing voices, but it's not God. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed. Let me pause there. Jesus be cursed in the Greek doesn't have a verb. There's two nominatives side by side. Jesus and curse. So it's Jesus curse. So the translators think it means Jesus be cursed or says Jesus is cursed or, or Jesus whatever. But there's no verb in there. So it seems kind of strange, Jesus be cursed. Like, what Christian is going to say that? That's not what I think it means. I think it means this. Archaeologists have found over 5,000 uh, Roman curse tablets. They're engraved and they're curses for everything from a man's health, his beard, his sex life, his business, his cat, his dog, his wife. The si there's even a curse for the size of a man's nose. Some of you need to break some curses today. Let me, let's just move right along. And so what you do is you'd buy one of these tablets and you'd read a curse. So the gods of the Romans, the gods of the Greeks, the gods of the pagans, it's all about curse you, curse you, you did me bad, I'm cursing you, you did me bad, I'm cursing you. And it's this long stop cursing of others. And he's saying here, Christ is not in that camp. Christ doesn't curse. You don't pray this way. Jesus curse you, Bob. Jesus curse your business, Nancy. Jesus curse your family, Smiths. He says, God doesn't do that. God does not curse, God blesses. The Bible doesn't ever tell us to pray against people, not one time. We pray for. The Bible says, I want all men in all places to pray for all people. We pray for, we pray for. Like, what about your enemies? Pray for your enemies. Pray for, pray for. It's the wrong spirit to pray against. I come against Nancy Smith. I gotta come up with some new names. I stuck on Nancy and Smith. I pray against Nancy Smith. I pray. That's a curse. And this is not a good prayer either. I pray for 
Nancy. I got to come up with a new word. Give me a, a female's name. Sarah. Sarah. Thank you. I pray for Sarah. Lord, I pray that she gets so low and things go so bad that everything good in life is stripped away from her so the only way she can look is up and she finds God. I hope nobody prays that over you. What the heck is that? How about this? I pray for Sarah that she would know the loving kindness of God in such a way that she would know there is a living God. I pray that she would find the blessings of a good, good father and give her heart to you. You know, I, where do people get this nonsense? It's because they're not, they've been touched by grace. They're under the law. Eye for eye, tooth for tooth, you get me, I'm going to get you. Verse, what verse am I on? Verse 3, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. If you were in Rome, I'm talking about the Roman Empire, so this is in Corinth, uh, you had to say Jesus is Lord. That was a requirement of all Roman subjects. You have to say Caesar is Lord. If you won't say Caesar is Lord, you're subject to retribution. So he's saying here, nobody's going to say Jesus is Lord and then face the consequences, the consequences of that unless it's coming from a heart that's been touched by God. Because nobody willfully inflicts persecution on themselves. You'd only say that if it was by the power of the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts. This is the word charisma, which is the word charisma, which is the word for spiritual gift comes from the word charis, which is the word for grace. That's why spiritual gifts are sometimes called gracelets. And the word grace comes from the word kara, which is the word joy. So joy gives us the word grace, and grace gives us the word gift. Isn't that a beautiful three words? The gifts of God are by grace and give joy. If there's no joy in it, it's probably not from God. There are different kinds of gifts. How many people we have at Deep Creek? Probably a thousand. A thousand different people, a thousand different gifts. But the same spirit. There are different kinds of service. In other words, different kinds of assignments. Different places of ministry. Not all teachers teach uh, on the platform. Some teach in life groups. Some teach in the mission field. Some teach at seminars. Some teach groups of mothers. Some teach fathers. That We all have different assignments, different places of service, but, but still Jesus. Verse 8, there are different, excuse me, verse 6, there are different kinds of working, in other words, different kinds of, of results. It's the same God. I might operate the gift of healing and people respond a certain way. Another person might have a gift of healing and they might respond a different way. This person may be a person that prays for people inner healing. This person may be demonic deliverance. This person may be physical healing. When you pray for this person, they fall out. This person feels a tingle. This person feels nothing. You have an anointing to pray for children. You have an anointing to pray for old people. You might have a big group anointing, a small group anointing. He says, listen, there's this different gifts, different assignments, praise God, and there are different kinds of results. Now to each one, hey, you know who had the greatest results in our church when it comes to healing? Bob Sorge. 
Now, most of you know who I'm speaking. Bob Sorge doesn't have a normal voice. He whispers like this. So when he ministers, there's no shouting. There's no Italian stying. There's no prophetic Dan. There's no singing. What is it? I think the Lord says to you. It's on a microphone, if you remember Bob. It's on a microphone. Terrible pain. When you're with him in private, he writes everything on a piece of paper because he can't talk. So he forces out these words and he goes down the line. And what happens? If you've been in his service, boom, 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 boom. I saw him pray for a guy. Three went down at once. You know. Now there's a different ministry, a different effect by a guy who can barely talk. Do you think, you think our God in his creativity has new things for you too? Amen. Now it'd be silly for me to copy him. I'm me. Pastor Joel's Pastor Joel. Pastor Kevin's Pastor Kevin. Verse 7, to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To each one, everybody, everybody gets to play. The manifestation of the Spirit, the word manifestation. Phanerosis, phanera, phanerosis, phanerosis. As the idea of revealing. The, the Vulgate translates that Greek word, the dancing hand. Dancing hand. The manifestation of God is like a dancing hand. What, what in the world? Why would the Vulgate translate phanerosis, dancing hand? It's like the Holy Spirit comes to an assembly of believers and it's like he's a butterfly. He's like a dove. He, he gives a gift here and he gives a gift here. And he gives a gift here. And you don't know where he's going to land just are you open, are you willing, are you waiting to be touched by God? Rather than the chosen three or four people, they get all the prophecies, they get all the platform time, they do, all the, they do a bit of everything and everybody else is a spectator. How many of you want to come out of the stadium on the playing field? Is your silence an affirmation? Or are you, are you content in the stands? Nobody wants to be in the stands if you're serving God. I want to play. I, I, want, I want to play. John Wimber used to say everybody gets to play. Everybody gets to play. Now, obviously, when you have a mega church, we've got some challenges there. That's why we have life groups and different sized containers. But the idea here is God's hand is dancing, even right now as I'm speaking, giving gifts. When you were singing today in worship, did anybody feel something from God? Alpha and, I don't know, did you guys sing Alpha and Omega? We sang that at Kemsville. Powerful. God spoke to my heart in that song. There's a dancing hand. We had a prophetic word. Of course, this church always has prophetic stuff, but it's this dancing hand. Number two. So we don't want to be uninformed. Number two, we want to be passionate. These will go quickly. Be passionate about spiritual gifts. So first of all, we need 
not to be ignorant, we need to understand the spiritual realm, the spiritual things, then we need to be passionate about spiritual gifts. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1. Pursue love. Everybody says amen to that. Nobody argues with pursue love. How about the next line? And earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. Earnest. So if the Bible is saying to earnestly desire spiritual gifts and I don't desire them, am I out of order? Can I take a step further? Am I in sin? This is a command. This is not the indicative. This is an imperative verb. I am commanded by God. Pursue love, dude. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes. And I want you to be passionate about the use of gifts in your life. Uh, you know, the, 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 the InterVarsity Christian Fellowship used to have this phrase, uh, seek Seek not, forbid not. When it comes to spiritual gifts, seek not, forbid not. So pious, but so absolutely trash. That's just trash, dude, just trash. Seek not, seek not. What does that say? Earnestly desire. That's not a seek not. That is a seek. What's the opposite of seek not? Seek. See, our desire fuels our requests. Our desires as Christians, for the most part, are not too strong, we're too weak. Too many spirit-filled Christians are half-hearted Christians. I, and I don't mean that as a criticism because I'm in that camp too often myself. Our desires can be numbed. They can be satiated. They could be misguided. God says, I want to do a new thing. I want to go back to your dream well and I want to recapture the well again. I want to redig the well of dreams again to get you off dead center and get you moving into something new. You might say, well, I'm not against it. That does not count. And this does not count either. I'm open. Well, whoopee, ding dong. You're open. That doesn't cost you nothing to be open. How many want to be, how many of you uh, want to pray in tongues? I'm open. Well, you're not going to. How many want to prophesy? I'm open. Well, you're not going to go either. How many want to go on the mission field? I'm open. Well, you're not going either. You don't get credit for being open. When you say that you're open, all that does is gives a little shop of dopamine that causes that resident latent guilt in your heart to be relieved for a second that you think by making such a statement that somehow you moved into obedience. That doesn't count. You got to do it, dude. I'm open to be a Sunday school teacher. Well, good for you. I'm open to being president. Seriously, if you, I'm serious, I'm pretty open to it. That doesn't count. Now, I'm, I'm being a little tongue-in-cheek here, just a bit. What I'm asking us to do is to get a hold of our thinking and get out of this weird way of thinking that some kind of a, kind of a sentimental, open feeling that I'm available 
is the same thing as coming to church every day or the life group or your home or your business. And you're in that position I talked about last week of being nimble and listening to God and going with God however he leads you. Hey, and it's for you. It's not for a super spiritual wife, super spiritual husband. It's for you. Mechanic, it's for you. Mechanic, it's for you. You're with rough guys and it's rough at the business. It's for you. Matter of fact, it's more for you. God wants to invade your finite world with an infinite spirit and do something new, exciting, adventuresome, and a little bit risky. Thank you. You can call me pastor. Number three. <laughs> I'm sorry, Melvin. I haven't preached all summer. I just got I'm just full of myself today. <laughs> Melvin is calling security not to take out one of you. To take out me. Number three. Receive fresh gifts from God. So listen, we got to get informed. Then we got to desire them. Come on, wake up those desires. And then, then once we desire them, we have to receive them. If you then, Matthew 7, 11, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, I preach this verse a lot, how much more, how much more, how much more, how much more, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? You got to ask can't think it, hope it. You got to open your mouth up and ask him. I'm a father. I love giving gifts to my children. Christmas time is the best time for a dad. My children are all grown now. With my daughter... When I give her a gift for Christmas, I always had the squeal test. Could I give her something that made her squeal? When she was little, it was a Barbie doll. Then it moved up to luggage. Then it went to a car. Then I started squealing. I love... Hey! Is it more blessed to give than to receive, yes or no? So if God gives you a gift, who's more blessed, you or him? Him. I asked for and received gifts because it blesses him. What kid on Christmas does this? Dad, I love you so much as my parent. You're enough for me. You feed me, Dad. You clothe me, Dad. My heart is full of the Father's love. I know I'm only seven. But because I love you and you're enough, I'm not going to open any gifts. I'm not going to open the big one, the small one, the heavy one. You know, always you like the heavy one. Forget Grandma's gift. That's either socks or underwear. Forget that. Right, because they got so many kids, they always go for the socks or underwear. That's what a grandchild really loves getting from a parent or a grandparent is underwear. No. The dad would be offended. 
I want my kids to enjoy their gifts. The Lord says that to you today. Jump into the pool. Come on now. Come on. Gifts of the Spirit, gifts of ministry, gifts of opportunity, new places of service, new dreams. Come on, everybody can play. Oh, Dan, I'm not educated enough. So what? I, I was pastoring a church with zero theological training. I got that all later. Now I have a doctorate in theology. I didn't get that until I was 59. I taught all those years. Why? There was an anointing. I loved the word. I was excited about it. I studied, but it was, it was a thrill. Receive fresh gifts. Learn, learn to receive. My wife and I are moving into a condo. So we're selling our home in a few months, I suppose, when we get, finally get all the stuff out. We lived there 30 years. Man, we got a lot of stuff. I'm a saver. Baby teeth. You never know when the kids might want their baby teeth. Every report card. Stuff, dolls, baseballs, bats, gloves, clothes. I still got my old leisure suits. Seriously. So I have 70 books of, I have 70 boxes of books. I have a large library and I'm moving these boxes of books. Some are going into storage, some are going to the new place. 70 boxes. I inadvertently tip over a box. Stuff falls out. I had a file in there. Which I hadn't opened that box for years. The fall out and out came a piece of paper. I went to pick it up to throw it away and I flipped it over. And it was a prophetic word that I had received 30 years ago. No more than 30 because it was before I moved to Virginia. Had to be 35 years ago from a woman named Doris Ott, who was the leader of Women's Aglow Europe, a family friend, a prophetic lady, who learned to prophesy, by the way, while vacuuming. She tells a wonderful story about that. And I had typed out this prophecy that she'd given, because I recorded on a cassette tape. I had not thought about it for years, and I read it. She said, uh, Dan, thus says the Lord, da, da 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 And the Lord says, I've called your whole family. He says, you're going to have one of your children to be a teacher. One will be a prophet or be prophetic. And one will be someone in praise and worship. At that time, my children would have been elementary or not yet in school. Fast forward, my son, Matt, or John, is a professor, assistant professor at Christopher Newport. Other son, Matthew, has such clarity of thinking, this his prophetic ability to simplify, clarify, and give counsel is second to none. And then I have my daughter, who's not walking with the Lord today. She's not far away, but she's not all the way in. 
But when she was a little girl, she, used, she had a guitar and she used to do worship. I saw this prophetic word and I said to myself, I'm seeing something old that God is making new right now in my heart. That God knows my beginning and he knows my end. He's my alpha, he's my omega. There's always something fresh God is doing in my life. He made me drop a box and spill the files and pick up one piece of paper to remind me, Dan, I remember what I've told you. And I'm gonna take the old and I'm gonna keep it new. You keep pressing on, you keep believing God. Let the naysayers stay behind in Egypt. You get up and you move by the pillar. You move by the cloud. You get the daily manna. And if the world calls you crazy, say, thank you, sir. Thank you, man, for being called crazy. Because I walk by the beat of a different drummer. I serve a God who always does something new. Step aside or get in line. Because I have a God who says I shall do a new thing. Shall you not know it? Stand to your feet, Deep Creek, would you please? Hurry, piano player. God, I'm really, they're really on the edge here. Hurry, 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 hurry. God's got something new for you. Oh man, I very seldom preach the top 10%. My heart is always for the bottom. The guy that is in this room today that feels like God's doing something with everybody else but him. This is your day too. This is your season too. And I, 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 always, have a, I always have a soft spot for those that feel disqualified. Your qualification isn't in your good works. There's a cross that's reconciled you to God and forgiven you. You're qualified. Your biggest hindrance is your own fear. You don't really believe that what I talked about today, God would do for you too. He will. There's a new season a new opportunity. Somebody needs a new relationship. It's time for to upgrade your dreams. It's time to get out of the boat. Hey, we'll let go through this thing one time. Why, why play conservative, Melvin? Seriously? We say, Lord, here am I. Send me.